Okay, so here we go. It's Parshas Vayikra that we're building up to. And I came to this piece in the Nesiva Shalom. And in so many ways did this resonate with me. I felt that this was such a message to talk to us uh, right now as every one of us feels a difficulty in our own way throughout this situation. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we get into this. But what is the topic that he wants to, to discuss? The Nesiv Shalom goes, open Vayikra. Right away, what's the first thing you read when you begin this week's parsha? That Vayikra Moshe Hashem calls to Moshe and he says to him, Daber el b'nei Yisrael ve'amarta alehem. Go tell the Jewish people something that we know we've heard about. And this is the moment that the commandment is given. Odom ki yakriv miken korbon. A person should bring a sacrifice. Lahashem to God, to Hashem. Mina behema umina bakar from his livestock. Takrivu es karbanchem. That's the way a person should bring their carbon, what we call our sacrificial offering, is called a carbon. Okay? This is the moment that Hashem gave it. it. The service inside the temple revolved so much around these sacrifices. And in fact, we know that in Brachas it tells us that the davening that we do three times a day is was instituted by our forefathers, but was built around the same structure as the Karbanas, one in the morning, evening, afternoon and evening, and then on the special days we have the Musaf, the extra sacrifice. And the Nasib Shalom says that the idea of, of a sacrifice is from the holiest and deepest profound things that Hashem has instructed us regarding. And now, of course, while we would love to have a discussion getting into all of the nuts and bolts about why, why is animal sacrifice meaningful and what is so great about it, and, and I think that a lot of people are confused and there's a lot to discuss there, we're not going to tackle that head on, but sort of from the side as we try and figure out the relevance that something like this that we call a sacrifice, a korban, that we bring to Hashem, what does that mean for all of us? And especially when we find that we do not have the temple. And here Hashem talks about how he gets a nachas ruach. He gets real pride. He really, it's some a warm feeling, so to speak, that Hashem says that he gets when a person brings this animal sacrifice. Is that closed off to us now that we don't have the temple? Now that we don't have the base of Mikdash? Is that gone? What is the deeper meaning behind this very, very interesting ritual that can be relevant to a group of people sitting in Memphis or wherever we are in 2020 and specifically in the midst of a pandemic? What, what does this tell us? What charge does it give us? As always, that's always the question. And to be honest, you know, I felt a certain eternal nature of the Torah during this whole 
circumstance that we find ourselves in because as much as everything shut down in the world, Torah study is still going on everywhere. And I don't know why, but that just hit me right in the heart how we remember throughout our history, throughout times of persecution, we remember those people who held on to one page of the Talmud throughout their entire war years in the Holocaust. It's unbelievable. But the eternity of the Torah and its eternal message and relevance and energy that it gives us has been displayed more than ever in times of difficulty. So I really am feeling this right now. You know, the Nesim Shalom always says, what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? But now I really feel the Torah can talk to us as it always can. And no matter what the situation is, we want to ask ourselves, what, what is this coming to say? So, we'll begin with just a few lines in the Nesim Shalom. Just a few. And he says, <laughs> of course, he opens up with exactly what I said, right? The Torah is eternal and it's relevant to every person. So there's got to be a way for us to connect to karbonas, to sacrifices now. And listen to what he says. He says that the concept of karbonas are actually possible all the time relevant all the time in the worship of Hashem in the service of God. And he says, like it meant when we just read the verse that said that you should sacrifice, a person should sacrifice their livestock, their animals, their sheep. He says, when it said, what was it saying? Why do we take our livestock and we bring it to Hashem as this gift. What is livestock to the Jewish people? What did it mean at the time that Hashem was saying this to them? Livestock was your everything. It was your money, your sustenance, your wealth, your sense of stature. Somebody who is wealthy, what does Abram say? What do we say? When was Abram wealthy? When he was, when when he had all that those that livestock, that was the wealth, that was the prominence. It's a little bit hard to relate to right now, you know. If somebody would drop off uh, a thousand cattle at your house, I don't think you'd be too appreciative. So it's a little bit hard to relate to the sense of prestige that it was to have a herd, but there was a time. And there still is for certain people who are doing this. You know, we like to go to Kroger and we just get meat. Well, somebody's taking care of that meat. And back in the day, that was the everything. That was your bottom line. And when Hashem said that he would enjoy so much, if we would bring him a gift, if we would sacrifice to him from our livestock, what he was saying is this. Says the Nesiv Shalom, Hainu Kol Hashem was saying that carbonists are relevant all the time. Yes, there's a way to do it with the animal, 
But the main part of the sacrifice, the main part of the process is what goes on internally. And that is to bring to Hashem, to sacrifice before God, our physicality and our ego. Our sense of self that the world must revolve around me and must go the way I think it should. That the world has me at the center. And he says, Asher Kol Habriya, listen to this line. Asher Kol Habriya, Nechezes Bisvachazeh. He's using the words, it's a play on words for when Avram found that aisle when he was sacrificing his son, the aisle was caught in the brambles. And he says, the entire world is caught, is caught in this thorny bush. What's the thorny bush? The thorny bush is that numero uno is me. Me and my wills matter the most. And listen to what he says. But we know the truth. And the process of a sacrifice is a process by which one seeks to change, like my grandfather said, to take the center of gravity out of ourselves and put it back with Hashem where it belongs. And listen to the words. The The entire purpose of a Jew's work on himself his holy service, the growth that we seek, the mission of it, the goal of it, is it is to humble to God our sense of self, our sense of me, 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 to humble it in front of Hashem and say, how about a little bit about Hashem? Hashem, you are the boss. You are the king. You are the love of our life. You tell us what you want. How can we get on board with your plan? And and there's no question about it. This is a this is a difficult task. And that's why they didn't bring just one carbon. A carbon was brought, and a carbon was brought every day. This is a process. But the process is a process of greatness wherein a person is able to recognize Hashem's role and their relationship to Hashem's role in the proper way. A sense of humility. Now, this is not a sense of self-effacement. This is not about not recognizing our greatness. No, quite the opposite. The more we recognize how great Hashem is and how much we are part of that is the more that we see our true greatness in that connection. We lose our greatness when we start to think that we are the all-powerful. We are the thing that matters. Then it's just us. Our real sense of greatness comes from our humility. The humility that Hashem is the boss, that Hashem matters, that that's the greatest gift that Hashem gave us was the connection to Him, not to ourselves. That's true greatness. That's a process 
that we say, Ze inyan ha-karbon. The Nesiv Shalom says, that's what a carbon means. A carbon means to sacrifice for Hashem to Hashem. To humble ourselves. To realize that greatness lies with God. His will and His way. His plan. Service of Him. Not of our ego. And what this really tells us, and why I feel like this is so, so profound for where we are, is that, you know, a lot of times you get a message. The message is, you know, Hashem is the greatest, and let's all be okay, not feel that anything difficult is going on. Let's not be upset about the fact that our Pesach is totally upended and is ending up in a way that we never imagined. Maybe we expect it to be with family and we can't. Maybe we expect the family to be with us and we can't. Maybe we expected it to be a beautiful, beautiful, well-cooked, beautiful food served. And now we're just dealing with bare minimum. And there's a lot of things. And sometimes a person almost feels guilty. Why do I feel so bad about it? I shouldn't feel so bad about it. I know Hashem runs the world. But I'd like to suggest, based on this Nasiba Shalom, a totally different feeling. Yes, yes, it could be difficult. But we can recognize something amazing that when something is difficult, but we still ask ourselves, what is the will of Hashem in this situation? And that will of Hashem. It is difficult, but I will do it even though it's difficult. God Hashem Almighty, that is my sacrifice to you. I will do what you want, even if it's hard. Even if I don't like it so much. But you should know I'm doing it not because I like it. I'm doing it because I like you. I'm doing it because I recognize that what you want is the right way. That doesn't mean I'm loving it. It means I'm giving you a gift. Hashem, I'd like to give you a gift. The gift is this thing. It's my will. I'm giving you a gift of my will. And that is the greatest sacrifice a person could give. And then the Sifah Shalom says, unbelievably, he says, this connects to Pesach. He says, when we come to Pesach, we have an idea that we negate all chametz, all leavened bread. Oh, it's all like dust to me. He goes, it's, it's all like dust to you? You're, you're stuffing your face on it the whole year. What do you mean it's like dust to you? That's, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, in, in Baltimore, they have this thing that you could bid on who gets the first pie of pizza out of the oven. Okay? after Pesach. And, um, you know, they say the money goes to charity, which therefore allows people to to bid guilt-free, because I think otherwise people would feel a little bit silly paying for the first pie of pizza, but this lets everyone get away with it. And, uh, you know, if I recall correctly, this thing goes for over a thousand bucks. So I ask you, is it like dust to you? <laughs> if it's like dust to you and you just paid a thousand dollars for it, 
The guy's waiting. He knows that the second Pesach is over. He's going to pay $1,000 for the first pie pizza. So what do you mean it's like dust to you? He says, no. That's the point. That's the beauty of the statement. That's the beauty of what's going on on Pesach. The beauty is that we're not saying I don't like chametz, I don't like bread. What we're saying is, you should know the whole year I love chametz. I live off it, and I love it. And during these eight days, you know what I would do if there was no Pesach? I would stuff my face with pizza. That's what I would do. (laughs) But I'm here to say, That on these days that Hashem has said, stop eating bread, I am totally negating my will, my way of doing it, to Hashem's commandment. And therefore, I can say an awesome statement that as much as I like bread, It's like dirt to me during these days. It's like dirt to you, but you love it. Yes, it's like dirt to me despite the fact that I love it. Because of my top things that I love is the will of Hashem. That is me sacrificing my will for His will. That is a sacrifice that is at the heart of the animal sacrifices. Of saying, let me take that which I value and offer it to Hashem, and it's pleasing to Hashem. And Hashem gets pride out of that, out of seeing a person who is born with such a sense of self and full ego, to be able to recognize that true greatness is in connection with Hashem. So how do I get in line with that? And if that means that I need to peel away some layers of myself, then I'm happy to do that. It doesn't mean it won't hurt and sting. The opposite, it will. That's my sacrifice. Please accept my gift. This is the beautiful offering that I offer you, Hashem. That I like bread. But to to me, it's like dirt when you say it should be. I'll pay a thousand bucks for a pizza the second you say I can. But it goes by when you say I can. Hashem, you're my general. You tell me to jump. I say how high. Because in truth, we have one realization that needs to hit home so, so deep. So deep. There really is nothing. We have nothing other than the will of Hashem. The will of Hashem is really what makes everything special. When Hashem gives a commandment, What he's really doing is telling us his will, his want, what he wishes we would do. It's that very expression of what he wants that makes it an unbelievable moment. That's what makes it light up. And in fact, if we think about the fact that me, Shuki Nisan in Memphis, Tennessee, a little dude is going to reach out. I have a plan, guys. Here, here we go. You ready? We're an ambitious group. I have a plan. So we're all some nice folk. 
I would like us people, just regular people, I would like us to try um, this small idea, work with me. I'd like us to reach out and bond with the infinite almighty creator of the entire universe who always was, is, and always will be. You get, everyone up for that? Does that sound good? Sound plausible? Sound possible? The answer is, are you crazy? That's ridiculous. But it's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous, but only for one reason. Because Hashem provided us a way. He magicked up certain spaces and certain actions that they can make that connection happen. It's a magic. It's, 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 it's a remarkable thing that he breathed that holiness into certain moments that they could take a little person like me and bring me up to a place that's right up there with God himself. That's wild to imagine it. But that magic, that holiness, that connection is something that we can't create. Hashem has to create that. And therefore, that magic, that, that, that connection exists only where He says it is. Not where we want it to be. But where He says it is, that's when it lights up. That's when it lights up. And when we dedicate ourselves to the pursuit of that, of Hashem, where do you say I should go? Where do you say that we can connect? Then that's what creates the deepest bond. That's the great sacrifice that is of such profound value that Hashem says, wow, you have filled me with nachas ruach, with a wonderful feeling towards you, with true pride. Because you found my will and gave up your own. And that's something that when we recognize, we realize that the hard moments, the difficult moments, the moments where Hashem directs our lives in ways that maybe we don't prefer, those are moments that can be like a temple sacrifice. They can be like a temple sacrifice. And I, 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 I got to tell you a story. I got to tell you an amazing story. Because when we get this sense going, we realize that every moment is so special. Because the moments that you're just running through the, the fields towards Hashem, those moments light up and they're wonderful. And then there's moments that you feel like you're pulling a mountain because Hashem wants you to. Those moments can be glorious moments too. Those moments, we can recognize how precious they are. How Hashem tells us. And it's not, we don't even have to feel a sacrifice in a certain sense. And I want to tell you a story. It's a well-known story. It's an extremely profound story. There were two brothers, very well-known. Rebbe Elimelech Milizhensk and the Rebbe Zusha Me'anapoli. And they went into self-imposed exile together. And one time, as it was with the anti-Semitic feelings back then, they walked through a town and they were grabbed by the police and thrown into prison. And there they were in this little prison and the Rebeli Melech was a little bit dejected. 
And his brother, Reb Zusha, turned to him and said, Elimelech, what's bothering you? And Elimelech said, it's this bucket that's here. This bucket that's used as a bathroom. It being here in the cell with us means that I can't learn Torah. Can't learn Torah next to such a bucket. So I'm sad. The Rebbe Reb Zusha said, My dear brother Elimelech, Hashem who said, learn Torah, is the one who said, do not learn Torah by such a bucket. So as delightful as learning Torah is, it is just as delightful to not study Torah when God says don't. The will of Hashem this way, the will of Hashem that way. Either way, it's you and Hashem close to each other, bonding. And the Rebbe Ali Melech said, you're right. And they got so excited over the mitzvah, the deed of not studying Torah. They got so excited about not studying Torah when Hashem says don't, that they started dancing around the bucket. (laughs) They were dancing around the bucket because they now saw it in a different light as a vehicle of connecting to Hashem by following the will of Hashem, not your own will. And they were dancing. And the guard opened the door. And he said, what is going on? This is prison. We don't dance around here. We don't be here. We're not happy here. What are you so excited about? And one of the other inmates said, I don't know what's going on, but they're getting very excited about the bucket. He said, oh, you like the bucket so much, I'll teach you. And he took the bucket away. The Rebbe of Zusha said to his brother, Ali Melech, now you can learn. <laughs> and then they delighted in learning. And that's such a powerful story. That's such a powerful story. Because that story tells us that there is always a will of Hashem. And we can always connect to Him. And it's not always the way we envisioned it. It's not always what we saw coming. And sometimes it's even hard. I like to do it that way. I didn't expect to do it this way. But that's even greater because then it's a sacrifice. And a sacrifice for the will of Hashem is like a carbon in the temple, is what the Kohanim would bring, is what the entire temple service revolved around, is the heart of everything. To sacrifice for the will of Hashem is of the deepest bond. Is it the way we expected? No. Is it beautiful and stunning in its own way? Does it allow us unbelievable connection? In fact, more now? Yes. Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was told that he was gonna he was gonna have a future. The Jewish people. Avram thought Yitzchak was gonna be the future. When he's told to sacrifice Yitzchak, we all view that moment as what a moment, right? Ah. If we could have been there with our cameras, that would be quite a picture. And we all know when you read that story, it's dramatic. You realize that somebody made their mark on not just history, but on the entire eternity for who they are, who Hashem is, and who the Jewish people are. Yeah, but you know what? That's very nice in hindsight because you know that Yitzchak doesn't get killed. But when he was going... 
He thought Yitzchak was going to get killed. He thought that the story that was going to unfold was drastically different than the one that he had been excited for. In fact, not just drastically, drastically different, drastically confusing because Hashem said that there was going to be. But yet, he rose to the will of Hashem. And now we read it and we say, wow, what a moment. And I'm demanding from us that we should look at our moments like that and say, what a moment. Say, what a moment. Don't only read Avram's story like that. The Maranayim says we all get our ten trials. We all get our tests. We all go through the struggles. Whatever the situation is that's turning on its head, that this makes us do, we don't want to stay inside. We don't want to kill our social life. We don't like to kill our Pesach plans. Or maybe we don't like the fact that we can't daven with a minion. It doesn't matter if it's a mundane thing that we like or a quote-unquote holy thing we like. All of that is just something that we can give up to do the real will of Hashem at this moment when He says that now I'm asking you to guard your health and for that I'm asking you to give up your beautiful Pesach plans, to give up your social life, to give up even davening in shul and learning in yeshiva, to give that up. Can you give that up for me? Oh, but how do we give up holiness? Was Avram not giving up holiness when he gave up Yitzchak? Yes, we give up holiness because guess what? There is no holiness unless Hashem says so. And if Hashem says that now the holiness is in the house under quarantine, then that's where it is. That's where the will of Hashem is. It ain't in shul anymore. And it's not at a beautiful Pesach Seder. This year, the will of Hashem, Hashem will be found. You want to know where to find Him? He is always where He says He's going to be. This year, He will not be at a large Pesach Seder. He will not. He will be at the quiet perhaps even lonely Pesach Seder that we make that hurts because we feel so alone and in such solitude. And maybe we don't even have dishes because we never made Pesach before like myself. And we're just going to frantically pull it together and do it in the bare minimum way that we could pull off. And yes, that's where Hashem is going to be. Because that's where he said he's going to be. And there is only one place he ever is. Exactly where he told you he'll be. And is it a sacrifice? Yes, it's a sacrifice. And we should, we should recognize that that sacrifice itself defines the greatness of the moment. It's not that we have to do it even though it's annoying. The annoyance, the difficulty, and the pain... That's the sense of stripping away ourselves to connect with the will of Hashem. That's what makes it so amazing. Hashem says quarantine. Our reaction is, you want me to quarantine? I'm going to quarantine like the best quarantiner ever quarantined in his whole life. That's, that's what we say. You want me to quarantine, Hashem? Yeah, I'm going to quarantine like ain't nobody ever quarantined before. 
Whatever you say, I say, how do I do it the best? Whatever you say, Hashem, that's what I say. How do I do it the best? Is somebody commenting? That's what we say. Ah. You know, they, they say the Sarsholm of Bells was once had to eat on, on Yom Kippur. So you can imagine somebody who fasts Yom Kippur. Wow, what a day, right? And he was told by the doctors he had to, to eat. And they said that he was davening before he ate with such passion, such a state of connection to Hashem. And then he went to go eat on Yom Kippur. He had to go eat, the doctor said. They said he ate on Yom Kippur with the same fire and passion that he davened. Because really, does it matter? Does it matter? Where is the will of Hashem? That's the question. The Chedush HaRim says, Nadav and Aviyu, remember Aaron's sons? That when they did the inauguration of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, they went in and brought a fire that was not allowed, a katoris, incense that was not supposed to be brought. And they died. And the Chedusha Rim said, wow, look at that. These are such righteous people. And they went in to do such a quote-unquote righteous action. But they were missing one thing. And that was the commandment of God. They were missing the will of Hashem. And without that, there is nothing. And with that, there is everything. And he said, we should find encouragement in that, the Chedush Arim said. That we may be much simpler people than Nadav and Aviyu. But as great as they were, without the will of Hashem, it fell flat. So we, as simple people, if we have the will of Hashem, we have things that are greater than Nadav and Aviyu. Because we have Hashem Himself. We have Hashem Himself. The willingness to throw ourselves into this. The Mishnah and Ava says, Do His will like your will. Do Hashem's will like your own will. And negate your will in front of His will. That's what the Mishnah and Ava tells us. Second chapter, Mishnah 4. Do his will like your will. That's an unbelievable moment. And you know, they had this, this great story that Tolna Rebbe said about his own grandfather. He said that he, he, he lit uh, the menorah on Hanukkah and they brought over this school to come watch him light the menorah. And he had lit the menorah and then he asked, one of the boys to sing a song. And you know, they were young students. I don't know what age. And so, you know, they jostled each other, <laughs> joking around. And sure enough, after he had just put in all of that concentration to lighting his menorah, they jostled each other too much and one of them knocked over the menorah. And listen to his reaction. He turned to them and he said, do you know that the halacha is, the actual letter of the law is that if you light your menorah perfectly in a way that it for sure would last 
a half hour, and then some unforeseen circumstance comes and stops it, do you know that you don't need to relight? You did it. You did it. It's a nice thing to relight it, and, and people do that, but you don't have to. You did the mitzvah. He said he turned to them, and there was a glow on his face. The Tolna Rebbe said, if you didn't see this glow on my grandfather's face at this moment, you never saw true joy. He had a true joy that permeated his whole being at that moment. And he said, ah, I finally can keep the law, the halacha, which is that if you light it the right way and it gets knocked over, you don't have to relight it. Ah, finally, I could keep that halacha. I never, my thing never gets knocked over. I finally can keep the halacha about a knocked over menorah. He said, ah, the joy of my grandfather's face at that moment. And that, it's such a joy. Why? Because now I could do the will of Hashem. And even better, now I could do the will of Hashem in a way that's unexpected, in a way that's different than I thought. The, yeah, it's an unbelievable story. Unbelievable story. And that's the sense that when you go into all these situations, always asking ourselves, you know, you sometimes say, yeah, I'd be very excited if I knew what Hashem wanted. <laughs> you know, we, a lot of people feel that way. But then the Sivish Shalom has a line, a line which I believe is like, you know, there are certain lines in life that I, I call them lighthouse, lighthouses. They they give a guiding light for the rest of your life. And I'm going to tell you a lighthouse statement from the Nesiv Shalom. He says, people want to know what does Hashem want from them. He said, I will tell you the most powerful way to know what Hashem wants. He said, look at your life. What's happening in your life is what Hashem wants from you. Because who makes your life. Who orchestrates those events to go that way? Who makes quarantine? Who makes Pesach that you can't go out? Who makes Shul shut down? Hashem. That's like Hashem knocking on your door and saying, this is what I want from you. I want you to quarantine. So he says this unbelievable line. We feel sometimes so confused. I don't know what Hashem wants. But there's one place that we can look to that gives a lot of guidance. And that is to the actual events in our life. And we don't think of that that way. We think of life sort of happening by its own. But you know, when that person aggravates you and you can't get past them, you can't get away from them, you know what that is? That's Hashem saying, I want you to deal with this aggravating person. Oh, it's Hashem. If Hashem would call you up and say, do that, you would do it with a different sense to it. You'd be proud. You would throw yourself into it. But as long as it's your, just your annoying neighbor, you, don't, you, know, you don't care for it. It's not your annoying neighbor. It's Hashem. And when Hashem says that you're going to have an anger problem and he makes it part of your nature, you know what Hashem just did? He said, let me tell you what I want. I want you to struggle with the character of anger and try and make headway. And, the, and, and each event that happens and all of its ripple effects, 
They're not random. They are by Hashem. And He designed them that way because they are His will. That's how He tells us His will. That's how He puts us in the position to do His will. It's not always the way we imagine it. In fact, a lot of times it's not the way we imagine it. But that's Hashem saying, I want you to do this. And if we go and rise to that occasion, and that doesn't mean without sacrifice. No, it's with sacrifice. But with the joy knowing, wow, I never got to sacrifice this yet for God. I never got to feel this sting to do the will of Hashem. Hashem, this is a great gift. Please accept it with love. And of course, Hashem says, wow, this is the most incredible thing. Like, like one of the Rebbe's sent to his Hasidim, who was told to eat on Yom Kippur, and he sent him a piece of cake, and the Hasid didn't want to eat it. So he sent him a message. He said, the same Hashem who said fast is the one who says eat. How are you choosing which Hashem to go with? There's only one Hashem. So delight in that. And I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you something right now that's, that's not, not to be believed. I want to read to you a part of a letter that the Shemesh wrote to his son-in-law. It's just an absolutely remarkable letter to his son-in-law who was told that he can't fast on Yom Kippur, okay? Can't fast. We're told that we can't do this, we can't do that. Maybe we can't even learn as much. We can't, we can't make our, our people, our, our, can't make their weddings with the crowd that they want, with the celebration they want. People can't study with people in person. Question is, what's Hashem asking for? And listen to the words of the Shemish Shmuel that he wrote to his son-in-law. And he says to him, of course, you have to know that if the doctors say eat, heaven forbid to try to fast. Heaven forbid. You got to listen to the doctors. You got to listen to what they say. And then he says this line. You ready? You've, you remember. He says, for sure you remember. What I've told you many times already. You ready? Listen to this. For sure you remember what I've told you many times already. That the main Judaism, the main point of Jewishness, the main point of what it means to be somebody who is the type of person Hashem is asking them to be, is Leos Ha'adam Batel Lidas is that a person should humble themselves to follow the Das, the directives of the Torah and of the rabbis. And even if they say left when you think you should go right, the Ikariados, true greatness is to bind yourself to the Torah and to those who know how to read the Torah, not to your own will. And now listen to what he says. He says, one who can put their own, their own perspective aside to follow the perspective of the Torah of Hashem. 
a person who could lean his ear in to hear the words that the rabbis and our leaders are telling us. Hushava Yoiser Mehako is worth more than anything. You hear that? Is worth more than anything. And now. Excuse me, someone needs to mute themselves. I didn't think so. Excuse me, you're not muted. So he says they are. Oh, they don't have the portable HEPA filters? Those don't do, do it? Do, are we able to mute? I, I wasn't sure. I didn't think so. Okay. okay. We'll keep going. I don't know who, who's not muted there. But so he says that ability to to bow your head to the will. I'm so sorry. Does anybody know who that is that we can ask them to okay. mute? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know right. if we can figure out who that is. Right, right. No, but um, we're talking about the Tanya Addis. Oh, that's Tanya Addis. Anybody able to give her a heads up? That we, to mute? Okay. Either way. There we go. Okay. So the greatest thing, says the Shemesh Shmuel to his son-in-law, is that a person who can bow their head to hear what is the the will of Hashem. He says, that's worth more than everything. And then listen to these words, he says, and therefore don't be pained by the fact that you can't fast on Yom Kippur. You're probably bothered. You're such a great person. You can't fast on Yom Kippur. It hurts, right? He said, don't. It shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't bother you. Because that which you are doing by listening to the leaders of Torah who are telling you not to fast because of the doctors, who shava yoiser me'ikor hatsoim, it's worth more than fasting on Yom Kippur. It's worth more to eat when Hashem says, and you don't really want to, but you do it because you know it's right. That's worth more than fasting on Yom Kippur. Because the ikur of Yadus is to say, Hashem, what's your will? What can I do to get in sync with you? How do I get on your page? How do I get on your plan? I love you. I'm dedicated. It's not always easy, but those moments are not moments to be disappointed about. Moments to celebrate. It's worth more than the fast, he told his son-in-law. It's worth more than the fast itself is to be able to eat when it's the right thing. I think that a lot of us are hurting in different ways. But it's such encouragement to know that the struggling connection to Torah and davening, the struggling connection as we try and make Pesach meaningful and beautiful in whatever little way we can, but following the directives of the doctors who we know from our Rabbanim and our rabbis that we should follow what they're saying, that it's really all a fulfillment of Hashem's will of to guard your health. And that if Hashem says it should look this way this year, then we say, we're ready. 
Hineni. Behold, here I am, like Avram said, like Moshe said when he was sent. Hineni, I'm here. I'm ready to sacrifice for you. I'm ready, I'm ready to sacrifice the, the way I dreamed it should be for the actual fulfillment of the dream by doing it the way you say it should be. I'm willing to sacrifice that which I decided would be the fulfillment of the dream for the true dream, which is to be with you, Hashem. And to be with you is where you are, where you say you should be found. And if it stings, then take that, please. Wrap it in a bow, God. Wrap the sting in a bow and know that that's my gift to you. My gift is that I do what I can do to be with you even when it's not pretty, even when it's not comfortable. And like Shmuel Hanavi said to Shol HaMelech when he came back from killing, he was supposed to kill Amalek and he left the animals. Remember, he left the animals. And what did he say? What did he say? He said, I left them. Shmuel said, why do I hear the sound of animals? Hashem said, kill them. And he said, I left them as sacrifices. Ah, You want to know what's greater than a sacrifice in the temple? I'm going to tell you right now. Shmuel Hanavi already said it. He said, I left it for sacrifice. And Shmuel says back, does Hashem take delight in elevation offerings and feast offerings as much as he takes delight in obedience to the voice of Hashem? In adherence to the voice of Hashem. Behold, he says. Adherence to the word of Hashem is better than a choice offering. Attentiveness to the will of Hashem is better than the fat of rams. That's what Shmuel HaNavi told Sholem You brought all those animals for sacrifices. No, what's a sacrifice really all about? It's about willing to say, that I'll put myself aside for you, Hashem. I'll put myself aside to follow what you're saying, to find you where you say you can be found, to be with you. As Moshe Rabbeinu says when he was sent to in, into Egypt to go get the Jewish people, he says, behold, here I am. And the Medr says that was a sign of his humility. He said, I'm ready to do what you want, Hashem. So the Chadush Rim says, what do you mean sign of humility? He just accepted the mantle of leadership of the Jewish people. That's not humble. That's a great prestigious position. He said, yes, that happened to be what Hashem told him to do at that moment. But what he was saying to Hashem is, I'm ready to be the king of the Jewish people or to be the lowest person of the Jewish people, whatever you want, Hashem. You tell me where to go. You want me to go redeem them? I'm ready. You want me to go be on the bottom of everybody? I'll, I'll do that. You tell me where to go. You tell me where I find you. You tell me where I connect. You tell me to jump. I say how high. You tell me where I can embrace you. And I run with a passion to find you there. To turn over every rock. To go to the dark places. To go into the moments. When people think we'll give up or we'll disconnect and to hold on. But not just to go in 
and feel begrudging that we'll do it despite. But to know that at this moment, we're living out a glorious moment. It's time to dance around the bucket. It's time to dance around our meager Pesach. It's time to dance around our davening alone. It's time to dance around our struggle to learn when we can't get together. It's time to dance around that and say, this is our God. This is where he wants us to be. This is how he wants us to connect. All we want, Hashem, is to do your will. All we want is to be with you. And we'll dance through fire and water, through shining moments and lonely moments, to be with you and to never leave your side. That is our gift to you, Hashem. That is our sacrifice. That is what Carbonus mean in 2020 in Memphis. And therefore, there's a lot to be excited about. And you can admit the sting. You can admit the burn. Just wrap it up nice. Put some wrapping paper on it and send it up high. And let's wake up to these days and know that we've been called on for a unique mission, a unique will of Hashem, a unique path that He's asking, but it's the same path that has been taken by every great person in all of history. And that is the path of the will of Hashem, no matter what, no matter when. And not just to go on that path, but to feel the excitement and greatness of watching Avram's story, Avram Avinu's story unfold. The excitement of knowing that these moments are glorious moments of greatness and closeness with Hashem. Unique, unpredictable, unprecedented. We never would have thought that this is what we should do if not for Hashem parting open the skies and making it clear that this is what we should do by orchestrating life as He always does. And with that He said... Go here, stand here. This is where it's going to rock. This is where greatness is going to be had. This is when we're going to be together and it's going to look like this. And so grab the bucket and start dancing. Dance with our eternal King, our eternal God, love of our life, who is here with us like He always, always was, like He was in Egypt. He's always here with us, always calling to us, and always giving us the next rung on the ladder to climb closer to Him. Hashem, we're in pain. But Your will is our will. Here is our gift to You. May Hashem see the dedication of His children. May He see how we just want to do what He wants and be with Him. May He see these sacrifices and accept them with mercy and with love. And may that very dedication 
that very beautiful outpouring of love that we show in these days to Hashem, may that very expression and gift to Hashem be the merit that awakens Hashem's awesome mercy, which is erases this entire virus, brings us back together in our shoals and with the Beisam Mikdash so that we can have the real Karban Pesach, the real sacrificial offering of the Pesach lamb in Yerushalayim. And Mirza Hashem, this year, may Hashem save us with Mashiach Tzikeinu B'mehera V'yameinu. May we see it speedily in our days.